Good morning, everyone. We're going to do a few songs this morning. This first one is a uh, real, real new song. Y'all might know it, you might not, but it's, uh, I think it just came out last year. <laughs> well, I looked over Jordan, and what did I see? Coming for to carry me home. It was a band of angels coming after me. Coming for to carry me home. Go! Swing low, swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. Swing Well, old Ezekiel went down to the middle of the field. There he saw a chariot wheel. And he was so sure it had come for him. Coming for to carry me home. Here we go. Swing low, swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. Swing low, swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. One more time. Swing low, swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. Swing low. Another couple of songs that we do, and you all know these. Go ahead, Tim. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty. My comfort, my shelter, power of refuge and strength, let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hand. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have. No, nothing compares to the 
promise I have. Oh, nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Now I'm going to ask everyone to stand. We're going to do one more song for you. It's time. Now is the time. Now is the time to worship. Come. Now is the time to give your heart. Come. Challenge you are to worship.
Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. It's good to see everybody here this morning. It's a beautiful day. Uh, It's good to be in God's house to worship our Lord together. Today is Pentecost, the day that we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. So, happy Pentecost to you. (laughs) Maybe we'll have a little fire here or something going on here. Uh, A few announcements I'd like to uh, call to your attention. First of all, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask you to take those and fill them out for us so so we can have a record of your attendance with us today. And if you would do that, we would certainly appreciate that. And uh, some things that are coming up uh, I want to call to your attention. First of all, our youth will be uh, having a get-together this evening, an end-of-school celebration. Did y'all know that school has ended? I thought so, but there's going to be an end of school celebration tonight at six o'clock for our youth and uh, for our younger youth, those that are coming up into the sixth grade, that includes you as too, you as well. So uh, our younger youth, come on out um, this evening to the uh, to the Dunham's house at six o'clock and that will be a, a great celebration. Also. We will be serving a meal on Tuesday to our homeless friends at King's Kitchen, and uh, that's Tuesday at 3 o'clock, is that right? At 3 o'clock, and uh, I think we're, are we set? We're set, but uh, if you're not not a part of this, uh, be in prayer for our mission there. And speaking of uh, the King's Kitchen, uh, thank you to everyone who came out yesterday to help with our mission projects. We uh, we did a lot of work out front with uh, our landscaping, and doesn't it look beautiful? Thanks, everybody who worked out there. Uh, others of us went down to uh, King's Kitchen yesterday and painted their uh, their dining area, and it looks an awful lot better, too. It's uh, it, <laughs> an awful lot better. <laughs> it's no longer that pumpkin uh, yellow thing, so... Uh, it really looks great. So thank you, everybody, who participated in that. And also, thank you to our men who uh, hosted the uh, barbecue last week. I was out of town, but everything was successful. Sybil, you wanted to say something about that? We especially want to say thank you to the men for putting on this fundraiser. Um, and thank you to all of you who came out and purchased or helped work on that Saturday. We, with a wonderful donation, were able to raise $1,900 between what we sold on Saturday and what we collected on Sunday from the desserts. So thank you to everybody who participated. That gives us about a little over $2,500 in our um, AC fund. So if you haven't had the opportunity to purchase something or to contribute to that fundraiser and you still want to, we're still collecting money, just put on your check or your envelope that it's for the air conditioner or HVAC, something to that, and Dottie will put it into the fund that we set aside to raise money for the air conditioner. Thank you. Thank you, Sybil. Yeah, um, in case you didn't know it, it's the end of May. It's going to be getting hot soon. So (laughs) just a little reminder. Okay, a few other things we have coming up. We are going to be hosting a Pat Terry concert here at Community Baptist Church on June the 6th. Uh, That is coming up pretty quickly. Now, I I have known Pat Terry for, gosh, 
40 years, 40 plus years now. Pat Terry was at the cutting edge of contemporary Christian music when there was no contemporary Christian music. And, uh, and, and he is a wonderful songwriter and musician and talented person and, uh, and has a great spirit. And he will be in concert here June the 6th at 7 o'clock. So put that on your calendar and make your plans to be here. But you can also do me a favor. There are some uh, flyers on the table. And so as you leave today, I want you to take some of those flyers with you and pass them around to everybody that you know. And now, uh, and, and I know we don't have enough, you know, to just spread it all over the place, but we will. And if you need more, let us know and we can make, no, make more. So pick up uh, some of those and pass those out to your friends and invite them to come uh, to the Pat Terry concert on June the 6th. Uh, Mary Dunham, you want to say something about Vacation Bible School, which is also coming up very quickly. Time for Bible school. Bible school. Where's Ronnie Stone? See, Lee? Ronnie Stone come in and said, why do you have a sled back there? I don't think we'll need a sled today. Well, we won't need it today, but June 15th, 16th, 17th, and 18th, this gym will be transformed into Everest. So, there are supply lists back on the board. If you can't be here, it's summer, we understand, but if you don't mind signing up to bring some supplies, the supply list is back on the bulletin board. There are little uh, pieces of paper and pens. If you're like me and you forgot what you signed up to do, you can go ahead and write what you've put your name on. Uh, Ms. Kim Knight's already volunteered for preschool. We'll need, uh, oh my goodness, we need people to work in uh, the games, the crafts, the exploration station. Why we need sleds. We also need anything that has to do with hiking, Everest, We'll be turning this into various base camps for the kids. Usually, if, if you're new to our church, we coordinate with St. Paul's Episcopal, First Presbyterian, our Presbyterian Church, and First Christian Church. So there's four churches. We pull our resources. We usually have well over 100 kids, and it's just a great four days. June 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th starts at 9 a.m. in the morning and goes till about 12.30 because we also provide lunch here. So anything, if you can sign up to help, see me. If you can sign up for supplies, help yourself to put whatever uh, donations you want to bring. And if you do have hiking gear, anything like that, the first room back in the children's area, just put it back there, please, and then we'll decorate. Uh, last thing, real quick, when we're talking about fundraisers, Sybil talked about fundraisers. Frank, thank you for the new canopies on the playground. And you all remember all those Christmas cards you bought and greeting cards you bought and calendars you bought and frozen party tickets you bought and all those fundraisers? The playground has been purchased. It will be up next week. So we will have our new playground for uh, Bible school. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Mary. Boy, we are just full of good news today, aren't we? Pam, I think you have uh, have something that you would like to say uh, for our senior recognition today. It is that time of year. You're looking at your scholarship team. Uh, 
and you're looking at your graduate, Nathaniel Hobbs. Tim and I, well, actually, Nathaniel started with a wonderful application, turned in everything he was supposed to do, and then Tim and I were able to meet with him one evening and uh, found out so much about him, his past, his childhood, growing up in church, his plans, which I want him to share a little bit of that in just a minute. Uh, the church recognizes our graduates, and you are the one, and we want you to have this card, which will be followed by a check in the next few days. Okay. <laughs> if you would share with us, Nathaniel, where you're going to school. Howdy, everybody. I said howdy, everybody. Howdy. Uh, let's see. Uh, in the next few months, I'm going to be re getting ready to go to college. I'm going to Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. It's just outside of Nashville. Um, I'm going to be studying audio technical engineering. It's a... A lot of big words that just mean I'm going to play around with sound equipment. <laughs> um, hopefully one day I can be a music producer. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> we wish you the best. You know where our prayers and all are with you. We're your family. Come back to us any time. I found this just to share. May you have wisdom in heart and mind, success in every challenge you find, courage to seek life's purpose for you, belief in yourself to make it come true, strength to do your best and endure, and the guiding light of faith to ensure that wherever you go, whatever you do, God's love will always see you through. Good luck. A lot of good news today. Let's t let's stand and sing about it, okay? Tell the good news. Page five sixty six.
Please pray with me. Oh God of now and then and in between, we give our deepest thanks that you are the God of our hearts and the God of our history. You have promised to be with us always, even to the end of time. So remind us that your always is past and present and future. But Lord, even knowing that, we confess that in the meantime, living is not easy for us. For today, some of us are especially fragile. Some of us are remembering moments that changed the path of our spiritual lives. Some of us are sorting out our feelings, trying to make sense of the bigger picture. And some of us are wondering how we can reach out to those who are hurting deeply. Some of us are longing for the past. Or maybe we're wishing that the future would come quickly. Oh God, we knew your faithfulness yesterday. So assure us of your presence today. Remind us of your steadying power when the ground underneath us may be shaking, especially when we are teetering on the edge of changes. Help us to take the time we need to keep the balance that only your presence can give. Sustain us through the living of these days and empower us through your spirit to be your people and to follow your lead. In the name of God, our Father in heaven, the eternal Son, Jesus Christ, and the empowering Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. Our responsive reading today is titled, Power. Almighty and loving God, you created the ocean depths. You made the mountains rise. You spangled the sky with stars. We praise your majestic power to reveal all creation. When the earth trembles and our hearts shake with fear, we look for a steady place to stand. That's when we learn from your gentle power comes to us in ways that speak comfort. So God, 
Pour your Holy power on each one here in ways that reveal your quiet strength, your hopeful presence, and your faithful love. Amen.
Back for more. Today's scripture is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. And bear with me, it's Pentecost Sunday. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. inside there for me. Look at the, what do you see? What, okay. Will you look and see? Nothing? Nothing? Do you see anything in that hole? No. How about you? Do you see anything in that hole, that round hole? Alright. No? Well, you know, they have, uh, we're studying a, a big word today, one that we're not familiar with, I'm not familiar with. I had to look. Pentecost. <laughs> hey, did any of y'all have that word in spelling this year in school? No. Do you know what Pentecost is? <coughs> I didn't. I didn't for sure. So I looked it up, did some research. I bet y'all do some research, don't you? And it, it has, it has uh, two meetings, a meeting before Christ and a meeting after Christ. The before Christ is that it was like the people in Jerusalem Thanksgiving. The harvest had come in, and they were there, all there together to celebrate. You know how for Thanksgiving you, all your family gets together and you celebrate the things you're thankful for. Well, then after Christ, it was, it stands for 50. Mm-hmm. 
I'm about to pass my class. And it was 50 days after Christ had died. Now, we've not seen Christ walking around, but the disciples had. He was their teacher and their leader. And for the celebration of Pentecost, this happened to be 50 days after Easter, after Christ had returned. And they didn't have him, and they were kind of nervous about how they were going to go about the world doing what they were commissioned to do. Kind of like when you started school and you had to go to school without mama. Did that bother you at all? Kind of didn't know what to... (laughs) (laughs) You just kind of didn't know, you know, mama wasn't going to be there to help you and you just didn't know what if you were going to be able to get along without her. But you did, didn't you? Well, our disciples and apostles did too. They were in a meeting and all these people were speaking different languages. They were and Nathaniel did a good job, a very good job of reading these towns that we're not familiar with. And the different languages. Now Spanish. Have y'all learned Spanish yet in school? How about uh Uh, Japanese, German. Well, can you imagine being in a room and everyone speaking a different language and having trouble understanding what the other one was saying? This is what it was like. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which which lives in you and me today, came upon them and they could understand. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. So look, it's a dark box. And I thought, well, I'll bring a flashlight, and that could help. But look, my flashlight doesn't work. What do you think I ought to put in there? Very good. Very good. So I'm going to put this battery in there. And then I'm going to see. It does. It works. The The flashlight has been filled with a battery so that the light shines. So... When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, these are the things that we do. So, you see this hole I cut here? Come up here. And I want you to hold this flashlight into that hole and look in the other one. Each one of you do it. And I'll put it in here, the light in here, and look in that hole. You see something in there? You do? All right, let the next person look. You see something in there? All right. Isn't that amazing what light will do? Isn't it amazing what you see? Do you see it? Isn't that amazing? Do you see it? Do you see it? Tell me what you saw. A heart? What else? Hands and feet, right? And what else? Words that say praise. You see, when we're when we see we have the light to see, but when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we love each other. We love those that we can't love. We pray for those that need our prayers and we learn how to pray. And we are the hands and the feet of the Spirit of the world. Amen. Y'all can go back.
please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us this beautiful day. We thank you for each and every day. We thank you. All of us are entering new trials, new challenges. And I ask that you guide us and protect us and walk with us. Thank you for giving us not what we deserve, but, we, but what we don't deserve. Please be with these tithes and offerings to help do your work and help us be the light for you. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you, choir, and happy Memorial Day tomorrow. <coughs> the sign on the stage proclaimed, The Motionless Man. Make him laugh and win $100. Well, the temptation for that was irresistible. And so for three solid hours, boys and girls and men and women performed every kind of antic and told every kind of joke that they could think of. But Bill Fuqua, the motionless man, stood perfectly still. Bill Fuqua is the Guinness Book of World Records champion at doing nothing. <laughs> and he appears so motionless during his routines at shopping malls and at, at amusement parks that he's sometimes mistaken for a mannequin. As a matter of fact, Bill discovered this talent at the age of 14 while standing motionless in front of a Christmas tree in a mall as a joke. And this woman came up to him and touched him. And after she touched him, she exclaimed, Oh, I thought he was real. Well, <laughs> well, doing nothing, of course, is really impossible, even for the motionless man. But Bill attributes his feigned, his feigned paralysis to hyperelastic skin, an extremely low pulse rate, and intense concentration. He may not laugh at your jokes, but he readily admit, admits that he still has to breathe and blink occasionally. But you know, as I read about the motionless man, I couldn't help but to think about so many churches today. And the reason why is because so many congregations have mastered the art of doing nothing. We read about the church on the day of Pentecost. We read about the flames of fire and the sound of the mighty wind, the strange excitement that catches the attention of the passers-by. And we must admit that this is not the church as we know it these days. The church on the day of Pentecost was a church that was chaotic and yet caring, tightly joined as a group and yet reaching out with extraordinary vigor. It was a church that was ablaze with the Holy Spirit. I saw a news item a while back about a man named Gail Bowler, 27 years old, from Mankato, Minnesota, who was fined $100 for trying to set fire to an, ev an evangelist while he was preaching. <coughs> now, I... Don't ask me. I don't know that there's, there's got to be a story behind this, and I don't know what the backstory is on this. I don't know what the background of this news item is. But my guess is that there are probably a lot of evangelists and a lot of pastors and a lot of pay, uh, lay people who need to be set on fire in a figurative and positive way, of course. The church on the day of Pentecost was a church on fire. It was a church with enthusiasm and, 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 and excitement. It was on fire with enthusiasm and excitement. But as I, as I ponder the story of that first day of Pentecost, it makes me wonder, what was there about this particular church that made them susceptible to this kind of outbreak of Christian fervor? Well, first of all, I want you to notice that the church 
at Pentecost was a church of intense fellowship. My friends, this church loved one another. They enjoyed being together with one another. They had a strong bond of care and concern for one another. Years ago, Dr. Halford E. Luckock said that there are many types of church. One is preoccupied with the mechanics of the organization, and so activities loom larger than love. And he calls this kind of church the church of the holy fidgets. It's marked by busyness, and yet it never gets down to the real reason for its existence. He described another church, another kind of church in Chicago, Illinois. The name of this church is St. Stephen's, but it is called the church at the end of the road. And Luckett concluded that the end of the road is a fitting location for a church. And the reason why is because there are so many people who are at the end of life's road whose strength and hope are just gone. And it's there that the church needs to be. Alfred Luckett was describing the church at its very best. A caring church. A church where love is experienced. Jesus said that the world would know his disciples by their love for one another. And that was certainly true of the church at the day of Pentecost. You see, we are told in this passage of Scripture that they ate together. They sang together. They worshiped together. They even held all of their possessions in common. They drew their strength from their powerful sense of unity with one another. And that's the way it had to be. Someone has drawn a helpful analogy about the importance of unity within a church to the life of a honeybee. Now, as I understand it, honeybees cannot live in isolation. You always keep bees, plural. You never keep a single bee. And if you could somehow isolate one bee away from all of the others, and even if you gave it the most favorable temperature and plenty of water and food, you know what would happen? A bee would still die in about two or three days. You see, there's something about the community of bees that keeps the individual bee alive. And in a sense, that's the way it is with the church. One of our main sources of strength is our unity together. And if we are not as vital in our witness as we ought to be, then it's probably because our bonds of love are not as strong as they ought to be. The church at Pentecost had an intense spirit of fellowship. That's the first thing I want you to see today about the church at Pentecost. The second thing that I want you to see is this. The church at Pentecost was also a praying church. We read in the 42nd verse of uh, Acts 2 that they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and prayers. My friends, prayer fueled their vitality. I read about a new kind of occupational hazard recently that afflicts a certain segment of our population. Someone has dubbed this hazard as Anglican knees. 
Now, you've probably heard of, of tennis elbow, but I bet you've never heard of Anglican knees. Anybody ever heard of that? I didn't think so. It's real, and it's true. Researchers in England have revealed that people who kneel a lot to pray have a greater risk of de- developing arthritis in their knees than those who don't. That's right. A study of 2,000 people showed that, that folks in the kneeling professions like carpet fitters and construction workers as well as vicars and priests and nuns often end up with bad knees. Apparently, kneeling for long periods of time puts the kneecaps under great strain and wears the the protective cartilage away and thus promoting arthritis. Now, I don't want to sound too cynical here, but I really doubt if very many Christians these days have to worry very much about the wear and tear on their knees from too much praying. And that's unfortunate. Because my, because my friends, where there is no prayer, there is no power. Irvin Goodwin tells about spending the Christmas season of 1944 in a place called Ang Kong in what is now the People's Republic of China. Goodwin was an aircraft welder at the time, and along with four other soldiers, he had been sent to Hong Kong from their base near Calcutta, India, to salvage two B-29s at a fighter strip there. Well, one Saturday, these five soldiers crossed the river and went into a small village on the other side of the river, and at a little open shop, there was a large copper kettle hanging over a charcoal fire, And these soldiers started drinking rice wine from that kettle and singing American songs. Well, as soldiers are apt to do from time to time, they drank too much. And by the afternoon, none of them was in any condition to go back to their base on the other side of the river. But while they were out in the street, they met a missionary who took them to his home just outside of town. And in the missionary's house, there was a roaring fire and a big, large, pot-bellied stove. And his wife handed out hymn books, and then she played the piano while they sang Christmas carols. Goodwin remembers that he cried. These missionaries gave the soldiers supper and then put them to bed in an outer building on the complex there. And, And then the next morning... They fed them breakfast and took them down to the river and put them, got them into a sampan, and they went back to their base across the river. Goodwin says that God used that simple Christian hospitality of these missionaries and their concern for their well-being to prepare his heart to accept Jesus Christ as his Savior. And so years later, Irvin Goodwin began an effort to try to find this missionary couple. His efforts were unsuccessful at first until August of 1993, many, many years later, when he heard that the Lutheran Free Church of Norway had had a mission in Hong Kong during 1944. And so he wrote a letter to the denomination in Oslo and discovered that the missionary couple in Hong Kong had been the Reverend and Mrs. Johan Johansson. Well, Reverend Johansson was dead by this time, but on September the 21st, 1993, Goodwin called Mrs. Johansson on the telephone. 
She was now 93 years old, and she had already received his letter from the mission office. And about three weeks after their phone conversation, conversation, Mrs. Johansson sent him a letter that included some notes from her diary in 1944. Entered on December the 17th and 18th was the record of their stay at the Johansson home. And he read carefully these words from the night of December the 17th. It said, we fixed places for these soldiers to stay overnight. And we prayed much for them. My friends, this is the secret to extraordinary power. Prayer. No matter how much activity we carry on in this church, we will never be what God has called us to be until we are united in prayer. And that was the second characteristic of the church on the day of Pentecost. They had an intense fellowship, and they were a church of prayer. And then finally, the church at Pentecost was also a church that reached out. Folks, I want to tell you something. This was a church that was unashamedly evangelistic in its focus. It is no surprise that thousands of people were added to this tiny church in a very short period of time. And the reason why is because they saw that as their primary reason for existence. And I know, I know not everybody is in the church gets all excited about outreach and evangelism and things like that. But you know, it's interesting to me that in today's world, it seems that it's only the church that seems to be embarrassed about reaching out to others. I mean, think about it. Political parties reach out. I get phone calls every day. Civic clubs reach out. Businesses reach out. But for some reason, the church is embarrassed to reach out to people. At the end of World War II, Robert Woodruff, the president of Coca-Cola, declared, In my generation, it is my desire that every person in the world will have a taste of Coca-Cola. And you know what? Today, Coca-Cola is sold almost everywhere on this planet, from the deserts of Africa to the interior of China. And why is that? Because Robert Woodruff motivated his colleagues to reach their generation around the world for Coca-Cola. Folks, I want to tell you something. Any healthy organization reaches out. Because if it doesn't, it'll die. And so I can't help but to wonder why so many churches are so satisfied to outdo Bill Fuqua in its commitment to do nothing. Mark Sutton compares the church to a kindly old lady who is watching a group of golfers as they sliced their drives deep into the rough. And so the golfers went and searched for their balls. The grass was high and the trees were thick and their tempers began to flare as they looked in vain through the underbrush trying to locate their balls. And it went on and on and on. They stayed for way too long looking for those golf balls. But this elderly lady observed all of this from the back porch of her house and after the search had lasted for quite some time, she finally called out to them and said, I don't want to bother you gentlemen, but would it be cheating if I tell you where the balls are? 
Mark Sutton goes on to say, as we look around us, we see people searching. They are searching for lost values. They are searching for real meaning in life. They are searching for hope. And we must not keep silent. If we are to fulfill the Great Commission, then we must share Jesus with people around us. It means speaking up and guiding them to forgiveness of sins and salvation. We can't be like that lady on her deck, idly looking on as people search in vain. We must speak up and tell others where they can find what they need. Leighton Ford puts it like this. He said, there are too many churches with impeccable credentials for orthodox theology whose outreach is almost nil. Then he says, they are sound, but they are sound asleep. It is far too easy for the church to become a sort of religious clique where Christians retreat from the world, says Ford. And my friends, I'm afraid that he's right. The church on the day of Pentecost understood that its mission was to reach out to the world. And so the unity that they experienced, the prayers that they offered, all of this was only to help them to be to more ably fulfill the task that Christ had given to them to make disciples of all people. And that's exactly what they did. They existed not for their own benefit, but for the world's. And that should be true of us as well. There's a legend that at the entrance to heaven, two questions will be asked to everyone who comes seeking admittance. The first question is this. Did you come alone? And if tragically your answer is yes, then the second question follows. How could you? Folks, I don't want our church to be mistaken for a mannequin. Do you? Well, the answer to this problem is really quite easy. One. A commitment to fellowship. Two, a commitment to prayer. And three, a commitment to reach out in the name of Jesus Christ with the good news of his love. Pentecost can happen all over again, but only when those three qualities of the early church are present in us. Fellowship. Prayer. Reaching out to others. So let us commit to ourselves right now, today, to engage one another in these three things. Let us be on the move for Christ. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, Wherever He Leads, I'll Go, number 285. Wherever He Leads, I Go.
please be seated for just one moment. Um, we, we began our service with a lot of good news, and we continue it on with good news. I hope you heard good news as, as I proclaimed the sermon today. Well, we're not done yet, folks. we got more good news. Jill Taylor has come and wants to unite with our church uh, to, uh, to join our fellowship here and, uh, and to be baptized into the Christian faith. Amen. Jill's been hanging, she's been hanging around here, and Gracie's been hanging around here for months, and, um, and, and she is taking this step, and she's saying that this is her church home, and she wants to be officially a part of us. That's something worth celebrating, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Celebrate with me by raising your hand and saying, Amen, Jill. We're glad Amen. that you're with you. We are glad that you are uniting with our church today. And, we, and, and, I, and I say this to everybody who joins our church. You, you've been around, so you probably know it. Everybody in our church is a minister. Everybody. And so we look forward to the ministry that we have to you. And we also look forward to the ministry that you have for us. And she's already been doing that, folks. You should have seen her wheeling a roller yesterday down at the King's Kitchen. Uh, and, and Gracie was up under the tables, you know, where nobody else could reach. So, um, so thank you for your ministry already to us. And we're looking forward to many years of, of ministry together. What a great day. I know you'll want to uh, uh, speak to, to Jill and welcome her officially into our fold. And we'll set up a time for baptism very quickly. And now let us stand for our benediction. You have been given the gift of God's Holy Spirit. So go forth from this place empowered and equipped by the Spirit to be Christ's body, doing Christ's work in the world. Go forth filled with love for your brothers and sisters in the family of Christ. Go forth committed to prayer, not just asking for favors from God, but truly seeking God's will for your life and world. And go forth with the word of God on your lips, ready to share your faith with those who need our God and our church. And go strengthened in your knowledge. That God goes with you always. Amen. Thank you.